0: Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. So let's get right into the Word, knowing that God will speak into our lives today. your praise and your worship are precious to the lord they come up and they mixed with that of the saints that are already in heaven and because of that the spirit of god releases the atmosphere of heaven itself among you so today no matter whatever your need may be know that the provision of heaven is among you receive that which you need this morning healing in your bodies blessing in your soul prosperity in your banks and your pocketbooks and receive all that the Lord desires for you to possess and have and know that as you continue to worship and praise and lift up the name of your God that that will go with you perpetually that it will not just be in a building when you gather together as a church but as individuals and as the children of the the most high God you'll go forth with the presence of the Lord upon you and with you so rejoice rejoice that your worship touches heaven And that the heart of God is released towards you in all that he desires for you to have. Hallelujah. I'm looking forward to it. Ephesians chapter 6. We're in the basically kind of an overview. We studied the subject of redemption for almost 15 weeks. It's important to know who you are, uh, what you have, what you can do in Christ. Uh, We have those uh, uh, series available for you if you need that. Go out to the, to the uh, tape uh, uh, place and you can get those. But then you must have the uh, revelation or an understanding of faith in order to make application. Everybody say application. Application of all that God's provided for us in Christ. It is God's desire to for every believer uh, to possess the power, which is the power of faith, uh, to pierce the unseen realm. And to bring in the scene, into the scene realm the provision already provided for them. So one of the principles of faith that we have to understand is God's not going to do anything. You say, what do you mean? He's not going to do anything. He's not going to save. He's not going to heal. Uh, he's not going to uh, touch China or Burma or Galveston Island. He expects us to understand that He's already done it. And we're the ones that have to do something about it. That's what faith is all about. Every person that has gotten saved from the time Jesus resurrected and seated at the, was seated at the right hand, of, they could have got saved a day earlier, a week earlier, a month earlier, amen, or a year earlier. It was just their choice. The gospel came. Faith arose on the inside of them, and they received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We don't give ourselves over to the doctrine of uh, of Calvinism where, well, God will save this one and this one, but not this one and that one and this one and that one. That's all to the sovereignty of God. No, we are called by God to preach the gospel to every person, to every individual, so that they will have the same opportunity you had to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Amen? So that takes faith. And then when faith comes to an individual, what do you do with it? We saw in the word of God where God said without faith it's impossible to please him. So if he did not give us everything we needed to understand and operate in it, he would be an unjust God. But thank God he gave us the word. Everybody say the word. Amen. That by the word of God we understand how faith operates, how we can walk in it, how it functions, and how we can use and how we can use it to appropriate everything that God has provided for us in Christ. Remember what it says in the scriptures several times, the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. I think seven times in the New Testament it says the just shall live by faith. Amen? So we began with some simple principles. Number one, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. The word of God is our source of faith. If you want faith, go to the Word. Primarily, teaching the Word of God. You say, why can't I just read the Word? Why do I need a church? Why do I need ministers? Why do I need that? Because there comes an anointing with a gift of God that helps two things to happen. Number one, your ears to open. Number two, the Word of God to go and drop down into your spirit. To bypass your mind and drop into the place in which faith can be productive. Faith is not productive in the mind of men and women. You say, why is that? Because the Bible says your mind is at enmity with God. That's why you must renew your mind. But faith works in the spirit of man. The heart of man is where faith works and where faith operates. So faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word, which means come to church. Have the word taught to you. Listen to it preached. Listen to it on tape. Read your Bible. Meditate on the Word of God. Do everything you can do to expose yourself to a continual flow of God's Word. I need a better amen than that. You say, why? Because there is a continual flow of the devil's message. There is a continual flow of the message of this world system. There is a continual, let me just say it like this, just be honest. There is a continual, continual flow of doubt and unbelief. Sad to say a lot of it comes through what they call, quote, Christian churches. But you've got to make a decision to allow a continual flow of the good word of God. To come into your human spirit. To hear and meditate and respond to and hear and meditate. So then we saw primarily the number one way or the primary way in which faith was released was through confession. Now remember what we said because I think this bears saying several times because it's not mentioned very very much in teaching on confession. God is a God that has the ability to speak things into existence. Then He made us in His likeness and His image. We are also creatures that speak things into existence. It is not something unique to Christianity. It is something unique to humanity. Amen. Amen. The Bible says in Proverbs, life and death are in the power of the tongue. So in every area of your life, you're either speaking life or death to it. In your marriage, in your body, in your finances, to your children, your job, the area in which you live, you're either speaking life or death. I like what Joshua said, choose life. Choose life. Choose to speak the Word of God. You don't have to speak the facts. You don't have to speak the circumstances. Stick with the truth of the Word of God. Stay with the truth. The fact may be the doctor said. The fact may be the banker said. But the truth is what God has said. Fill your mouth and fill your heart with the truth of the Word of God. Now, this is what I've said for years that I hadn't heard taught on much, but I I think it's very good to understand. Always maintain a positive word confession even when you don't need it. You say, why? Because the heart, the mouth feeds the heart faith when you don't need it. So the heart can feed the mouth faith when you do need it. Remember Jesus, how he combated the devil when he was in that battle there in the wilderness. Devil, it is what? It is written. He did that by speaking. Uh, 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 David said in Psalms 91 I will say of the Lord I've said it for years a moment of silent prayer never got anybody anything you've got to learn to speak and we'll study this when we study the authority of the believer a little bit have you ever had problems with your mind should be every one of you amen listen you cannot overcome because that's where the true warfare of the of the of the new covenant takes place it's not to defeat the devil he's already defeated it's not to defeat demon powers they're already defeated it is the warfare that takes place in the mind and in order to win it you must understand you cannot counter a thought with a thought you must counter a thought with a word I mean, I've caught myself on airplanes. I've caught myself walking in hotel lobbies. I've caught myself driving my car, saying out loud, no devil, in the name of Jesus, it is written out loud. You say, why? That's how the Word of God is released. Then we looked at, once you've believed in your heart, confessed with your mouth, what do I do? We spent two weeks talking about the works or the acts of faith. Three times, our pastor James, the pastor of the church of Jerusalem, said... Faith without works is dead. Wilt thou know, O vain man? That's where religion has hooked up, to the vanity part of it. Wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Then the very last scripture of that chapter says this. Wilt thou know as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith also without works is dead? So once you believe in your heart, once you confess with your mouth, you have to be patient. You have to Hear from God, and then you have to act on the faith that God puts in your heart. There comes a time in which you must act on what you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. Now, that that causes us to arrive at today's subject. Pastor, I believed in my heart. I mean, I don't believe I'm healed. I know I'm healed. I don't believe I'm prosperous. I know it. I believe. I've confessed it. Pastor, I've been maintaining my confession for a year now, for two years now, for five years. I've been talking about how he supplies all my needs. I've been talking about how by his stripes I'm healed. I've been talking about how I've been delivered from the power. I've been talking about how the law, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus made me free from the love. Now, I've acted upon it. I've put money in the offering, acting on the Word of God when it comes to my prosperity. I've done things when it comes to my physical body. But it still seems like I have not received physically into my life the desired manifestation. I have it by faith, but what do I do now? You find Ephesians 6? Let's look real quick. Verse 12 for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. People are not our problem. They're our purpose. Amen. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. Now notice this last phrase, and having done all to stand. And having done all to stand. And having done all to stand. What does it mean to make a stand of faith? Well, number one. Everybody say number one. Well, right here in the Word of God, we see exactly where it begins. This is where the stand of faith begins. This is so simple. So many people miss it, but it's so so simple. This is where the stand of faith begins. And having done all. He said, now pastor, what do you mean by that? Have you done all? Has faith come to your heart? Have you been confessing the word? Have you acted upon the word? If you've done that, then you've done all that faith requires. I remember when I was fighting uh, 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 malaria in my body. I'd picked up in the nation of Haiti in 1993. Been over there in a great crusade, and we ministered to many uh, of those precious Haitian people. And I knew where I, when I was there, man. I mean, mosquitoes chewed me up. They couldn't spray enough insecticide on those marshes. It was terrible. And I knew uh, I was something had happened to me, and I stood against it, and I ended up in Europe about. Three weeks later, and after a a great meeting in Europe, in, in Dublin, Ireland, in which I was just soaking wet, they took me out of a soaking wet meeting, took me directly to the airport, put me on an airplane in which they immediately cooled down the cabin. And back then, people still smoked. They were allowed to smoke in the cabin. And so they just filled that cabin with smoke. And by the time that plane landed in Atlanta, I was having some alarming symptoms in my body. And I thought, man, and I knew in my spirit, I didn't know in my head, I knew in my spirit that that malaria was trying to manifest in my life. That was September of 1993. Well, I maintained my confession. Every day I got up and I said, thank you, Father, that by His stripes, according to, to uh, Isaiah 53, I am healed in Jesus' name. According to Peter 2:24, I am healed in the name of Jesus. And then I'm many other scriptures. Thank you, Father. The law, the spirit of life in Christ set me free from the law of death. I've been delivered from the power of darkness, translated into the kingdom of his dear son. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, it dwells in me. It quickens. It makes alive my mortal body. I resist this in the name of Jesus. I will not have it. And I mean day after day after day. said, well, what was going on? i was feeling worse and worse. My fever would get so high I couldn't get get warm. I'd do everything I could get warm and couldn't do it. And then I'd get these hot flashes in which just like almost you'd snap your finger and I'd be soaking wet. My my throat felt like somebody scrubbed it out with a wire brush. My sinuses would flow continually. You say, were you acting on the word of God? I never canceled a meeting. I got on every airplane flight. And not only that, there were other things I didn't cancel that I probably should have. My hunting trips, my fishing trips, things I probably could have just said, well, you know, I'm not going to make that. I can't do that. I just continued to do, I acted as if I were healed. But there were still alarming symptoms in my body. That went on September, October, November, December. January, January. I flew to I flew to Hawaii, the west side of the island of Oahu. Stayed at the Sheraton Makaha. We were doing prep work for a crusade we were going to have that summer. Uh, I was preaching in three different churches. I actually began on that Friday when I arrived. I preached on Friday night. I did a Saturday morning leadership breakfast. I did a Saturday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night meeting. The rest of my meetings didn't start till Wednesday into the next weekend. So I had Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And I thought, well, praise God, I got three days to try to recover to. Stay Stand in faith to confess the word. And on Sunday afternoon, my phone rang. Brother Clement Gu, everybody say Clement Gu, Chinese Hawaiian, great friend of mine, good surfer, man of God. Cosmos, eh, hey, brother Rusty. I said, what's going on, Clem? He said, hey, it's going off at Ala Moana. You'll go surfing with me tomorrow. I said, oh, man. I said, oh, that's what I said, oh, man. And I'm thinking in my mind, I can't go. I'm too sick. My symptoms are too bad. Clem will understand. He knows me. He was in my service, actually, that Sunday morning. He knows me. He knows I've been preaching since Friday. He knows I've been on an airplane flying to get here. All I'd have to say is, no thanks, Clem. Just catch me another time. He'd understand. And while I'm, I'm literally in my mind formulating the excuse, I am. My spirit, down in my mind, I heard these words. Healed men go surfing. I'll never forget that Monday. Woke up Monday morning. Uh, I, I had to drive approximately forty-five minutes from where I was to. How many? Remember the old Hawaii Five-O? And then, and then it comes on, you know, and then it shows uh, McGarrett standing on the. That's the Elykai Motel. He's standing on the balcony of the top floor of the Elykai Motel, and then it shows that wave. That's where we were going. And I'm like, this is it for me. I got up that morning. I remember driving through in Nonaculi. I drove through the, through the McDonald's parking lot. And I drove into the McDonald's, got a sausage, egg, and cheese biscuit and a glass of water, took two bites out of the biscuit, threw it out the window, drank the water, and I'll tell you, I could feel the waves of that fever hitting my body. I got to the parking lot there. We waxed up our boards, paddled out, had a good time, still felt this sick just, just hanging on me, hanging on me. Took the boys to Duke's to, uh, 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 to lunch, went back to the Sheraton Macaha. got there about two thirty, three 3 o'clock in the afternoon, wrapped up in that blanket like a burrito and literally thought, I'll never wake up from this. I felt so so bad. I woke up the next morning, and I never forget the birds never sounded so sweet, the, the the plumeria fragrance at that hotel never smelled so. I look, I woke up, and you know, as it says in Isaiah, I looked for it, and it wasn't there. There wasn't a symptom in my body. That was January 1994, and it's fixing to be 20 years, 2094. 20, Yeah, 20 years. It's fixing to be 20 years that I hadn't had a symptom since. But I had to make a stand of faith. And I had to make sure I had done all. Now, let me tell you the thing about the stand of faith. It's confrontational. A lot of people don't like it because confrontation does not produce comfort. And so many people are so comfort-oriented. If I can just have a little salve rubbed on me or take a few prescriptions or do this or that. But listen, when you make a decision, I'm going to get something from God. I like what Brother John Osteen said. You've got to make a decision to climb the hill of God and wrap your hands in His garment and say, God, I'm not letting go till you touch me or bless me or heal me or set me free or deliver me. And when you make that decision, you're ready to make that stand of faith. So number one, everybody say number one. Having done all, you must do all. Number two, everybody say number two. You must make a stand of faith from the arena of victory. Everybody say victory. Victory is what belongs to you because you're in Christ. You don't fight your way into the victory. A lot of the old Pentecostal songs, a lot of the old Pentecostal messages talk about, Lord, send the victory when we all get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing. Then we'll sing and shout. No, no. We have victory now. Ephesians chapter 2 says we have been risen with him and we are seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That is your and my spiritual position. We do not relinquish that. We do not give that away. We are not poor old sinners saved by grace. We're not barely getting along, getting by. No, we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And we are risen with him and seated in heavenly places. You are not fighting into the victory. You are fighting from the standpoint of already having the victory. You've got to make a decision. Victory is mine. Your body will say victory is not yours. But you've got to say victory is mine. You've got to say, victory is mine. Your pocketbook will say, victory is not yours, but you've got to say, victory is mine. Your mind will say, victory is not yours, but you've got to say out of your spirit, victory is mine. I'm risen with him. I'm seated in heavenly places in Christ. I'm not coming down out of my position. See, that's what the devil wants you to do. He wants you to come down. Out of your position. A lot of the spiritual warfare, I've seen two waves. I'm almost 30 years in ministry now. I've seen two waves of very destructive teaching when it came to, quote, spiritual warfare. Any spiritual warfare teaching you hear that has to do with you defeating the devil, you throw it out the window. You say, "Why? Well, the devil's already defeated. Brother Stan's not going to China to defeat the devil. He's going there to declare his defeat. You say, what do you mean? When, when, when Brother Stan gets there, Jesus arrives. Are you with me? Now don't get me wrong, there must be prayer. I know we pray, we fast, we do things. I've preached in nations that were very dark and closed. We've preached in China before. We've been in different places. But I want you to know, I did not worry about having to defeat demons and principalities and powers. I knew that when I got there, I was the one with the authority. I was the one with the anointing. I was the one with the power. And I was in a position of victory because I was seated with him and risen with him and seated in heavenly places in Christ. I'm not going to come down and wrestle with the devil over that truth. Let me try that again. I'm not going to come down and wrestle with the devil over that truth. I'll never forget, uh, Teal Osmond. I remember Brother Teal Osmond. Went on to be with the Lord recently. Bless his heart. Tremendous man of God. Had a big influence on my life. He was being interviewed by Pat Robertson during one of these waves of spiritual warfare. Pat Robinson looked at him and said, Brother Osborne, you must do a tremendous amount of spiritual warfare before you went and held any crusade. You know what he said? He was the greatest diplomat in the world. He said, no, brother, I don't. He said, don't get me wrong. I pray. He said, don't get me wrong. I fellowship with God. He said, but when T.L. Osborne steps off the airplane, Jesus steps off the airplane with all the same authority, with all the same power, with all the same. Thank God that's not just for Brother T.L. Osborne. That's also for you. When you get to your job, Jesus arrives. When you get to your home, Jesus arrives. When you get to wherever it is, the place you've been having trouble, that's when Jesus arrives, that's when you arrive. That's because you are risen with him and seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Listen, you don't want to go down and get in a fight with a drunk. You go wrestle in the gutter with a drunk, he's not going to smell like he's just been to church. You're going to smell like you're a drunk. That's what the Bible talks about. Over in one of the minor prophets, I'll have to go over there and look at it again. But it talks about the priest coming out being holy. If he touches that which is unholy. Why does that which is unholy spoil the priest instead of that which is holy get up on that which is unholy? That means, listen... Protect that which is good. Uh, protect that which is righteous. Protect that. You say, how do I do it? You make your confession continually of who you are. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm seated with him and risen in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I'm, I've been baptized with him into his death. So as Christ rose from the dead, even so I also walk in newness of life. You never back away from that. No matter what the circumstances look like, you never back away from it. So we do not fight from or into the victory, we fight from the standpoint of victory. Number three, everybody say number three. Oh, you'll like this one. You're going to have to disregard the time factor. Did you know, let me just say this. Did you know it's not the will of God that his children live in the realm of time? Sin took us into time. Sin took us into time. I said sin took us into time. So the devil tries to use time against us. That's too late. It's too late. You can't be healed. It's too late. It's too, it's too late. You, 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 there's no way you can have a financial break. It's too late. It's too late for your marriage. It's too late for your business. It's too, he'll always try to use the time factor against you. So, you know, in my warped mind... The only illustration I could come up with of how to overcome time was to think about sports. Uh, this week I watched the last half of the NBA Finals, seventh game, last half. That's what I'm usually good for. I wait till the bitter end, and I figure that's going to be the best part right there. Amen? But they played it according to a clock. Boxing, they'll box according to a clock. Uh, Football is played, four quarters according to a clock. So I never could find a place to connect faith to basketball, football, or to boxing. But I found a place to connect faith to baseball. He said, connect faith to baseball. Now remember the rules of baseball. Baseball. Y'all know what it is. They put nine guys out in the field. One of us a a picture, he's throwing the ball. There's a guy batting. He's on the opposite team. He tries to hit the ball out into the field, try to get where somebody won't catch so he can progress around the base. And if he crosses home, you get a point. Person with enough points wins the game. Has nothing to do with time. I, don't, I forget how long the longest game was. Some 14 to 18 hours one game went on and on and on until finally there was a determined winner. Now, you've got to think of life as a game of baseball. And you're the one in the batter's box, batting. And the devil is the one pitching at you. Now, he is a what? He's a crook. He's a cheat. So he's throwing grease balls, spit balls. He's stepping off the rubber at the wrong. He's doing everything right. you right. You with me? He's throwing at you. He's throwing away. He's doing everything he can do. And so he wants you to play by his rules. Because he's a three-strike guy. He's a three-strike So here you are. You're this Christian, and you're up here trying to exercise your faith. And you get a strike, and nothing happens. And another strike, and nothing happens. And another strike, and nothing happens. And the devil starts jumping up and down going, it's not going to work. It's not going to happen. It's not going to work. You're out of the game. You're out of the game. And most Christians, their problem is they're listening to the devil. But the devil doesn't run the game. Look behind the catcher. There's a man called the umpire. Job said there was no daysman. There was no go-between. There was no man to put his hand on God and put it on me. There was no umpire. So you do not get a ruling on the rules from the pitcher. Second baseman. Center fielder. You get a ruling on the rules from So if you're in the batter's box and you've struck three times and the devil's going, you're out, you're out, you're out, you're out, sick, poverty, depressed, don't listen to him. Turn to the umpire. Here's what the umpire will say. Take another swing. And everybody goes, he's the umpire. He makes the rules and the rules. He's the umpire. Take another swing. So you swing again. That's four. And the devil goes, you're out, you're out, you're out, you're out. No, no, don't get your eyes on the devil. Just keep your eyes on the umpire. Because as long as you listen to him, he'll let you swing and swing and swing and swing. Until eventually you connect. And drive what the devil's been throwing at you right down his throat. But you can't back out of the batter's box. You can't leave with your head hanging, dragging your back. You've got to keep your eyes on the umpire of the universe. You've got to make a decision. I'm not listening to any of the players. I'm listening to the one who enforces the rules. And if you will do that, he'll give you all the strikes you need. Because <laughs> it doesn't take but one. And sometimes you gotta stand and stand and stand and swing and stand and swing and stand and swing until you wake up at the Sheraton Macaha and the flowers smell so sweet and the birds are singing and your body's just fine. You gotta do it. So if you get any revelation out of this message today, faith is not football. Or basketball or boxing. Faith is baseball. Amen? Amen. Number four. Last one and we'll close. How's my time? Just about up. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. We'll study the armor of God next week. That you may be able to withstand in the evil day, the day of temptation, the day in which the enemy tries to get you to quit, the day in which you're wrestling. We'll study all of that later. And having done all, stand. This is the last one. You're going to have to stand in joy. I said, you're going to have to stand in joy. Most people, you can tell what they're going through by the look on their face. They throw their joy out the door as soon as this happens. (laughs) As soon as that happens. I mean, the wheel falls off their joy wagon. Understand, happiness and joy are two different things. Amen? If I had a big wad of $100 bills, I could produce happiness real quick. Just wad them up and start throwing it. This person, thank you, yes, oh, ah, yeah. And you'd see all the happiness on the faces of those that got it. And the disgust on the ones that don't. But I want you to know joy is a different force. Happiness is based on circumstances. Joy finds its origin in the reality of the truth. Which means the fact may be the doctor has said. The fact may be the banker has said. The fact may be the divorce lawyer has said. The fact may be, but the truth is what God says. So you hook your emotion into what God has said. And you draw off of what God has said. And you learn to continue to worship. And you learn to continue to praise. And you learn to continue to magnify God. And when it feels like you're all dried up and there is nothing left, then comes the Holy Ghost. For the kingdom of God is not in meat and drink, but in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Then comes the Holy Ghost. And comes into you like wine, which wine does what? It causes you to get under the influence and the joy of God will begin to permeate your soul and people will begin to think, what in the world are they doing? Don't they know they're almost broke? Don't they know what the doctor said? Don't they know what the lawyer said? Don't they know what the... What are they under the influence of? I'll say that, Lord. Some of you have lost your victory because you've lost your joy. Well, Pastor, you just don't know what I'm going through. I don't care what you're going through. I'm here to preach the answer to you and to tell you if the devil can steal your joy, he's got you. But listen, what's the worst thing that could happen to you? You ask people, what's the worst? I guess I'd die. If you die, you go to heaven. What do you think? You're going to come walking into heaven with your head bowed? I'm in heaven. My God, what are we going to do now? No. Dying isn't the worst thing that can happen to you. The worst thing that can happen to you is to lose the joy of your salvation. Not to realize that God's on the inside. He's empowered you through the baptism. That you're more than a conqueror. That greater is he that's on the inside of you than he that's in the world. You've got to make a decision. I'm not going to lose my joy. And sometimes you just got to make yourself laugh at the devil. The devil kick you. You just go ha ha ha. He knock you down, you get up laughing. It's hard to beat up a drunk. <laughs> you may think you've got them whipped. Amen? I mean, but they'll come back after you with a toothpick laughing at you. You say, "Why they're under the influence. That's why Paul said, don't be drunk with wine. Where is it excess? But be ye filled with the Holy Ghost. Listen, God wants his children under the influence of something greater than Jim Beam and Jack Daniels and cocaine and weed. He wants you under the influence of the Holy Ghost. He wants the joy of the Lord to be your strength so that you face the circumstances of life courageously. Laughing at the devil, devil I'm not defeated, ha ha ha, devil I'm not going to be sick, ha ha ha, devil I'm not going to be broke, ha ha ha. Amen. I'm sure most people lose it right there. You can tell when the devil gets their face, their countenance falls, but you got to see something human eyes don't see. You got to hear something human ears don't hear. You got to reach out and grab something that human human hands can't grab, but faith can. Know in whom you have believed and be persuaded that he is able to keep that which you've delivered unto him. What does that mean? Lord, I've given you my health, I've given you my finances, I've given you the peace of my mind, I've given you my family, my ministry. I've given you all my, everything I have, I've given it unto, you've got to have confidence and trust that God will get you through anything this world system has to offer, the enemy tries to attack you with, or anything else that comes up, you've got to trust God will get me through it, and he'll get me through it with joy, hallelujah, thank you Lord, lift your hands and worship God, Father we magnify your name, thank you for your joy, thank you for your peace. Thank you for our place in Christ Jesus. Thank you no weapon formed against us will prosper. Thank you for the stand of faith. I pray over every person here this morning that's dug their heels in that will not be denied. Will not be denied God's healing power. Will not be denied God's prosperity. Will not be denied restoration in their marriage. Will not be denied their children serving you. Will not be denied their grandchildren finding you. Will not be denied in any area of their life. But we'll see the provision of God. I thank you. That stand of faith will be an exceptional, effectual, Stand of almighty God in their lives in Jesus name every head bowed every eye closed just for a moment let me ask you real quick where are you with the Lord today are you living right are you doing right have things creeped into your life it's gotten you separated from God maybe you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life maybe you've never bowed your knee and confessed him as Lord and Savior and say well Pastor, there's just areas in my life I'm not living right. I'm not doing right. You need to be right with God. It's easy to serve God. It's hard not to. It's hard not to. If you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, that's me. I just need to be right with God this morning. I know if I'm right with God, everything else will work out. I know if I'm right with God, my faith will work. I can stand. I can believe. I know if I'm right, I need to be right with God. Please pray with me. Anybody like that, lift your hand right now. Do it boldly, unashamedly. We see one hand, another hand, another hand, another hand. God bless you. Another hand. God bless you. Anyone else? Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. Another hand. God bless you. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. I see that other hand. God bless you. You don't have to raise your hand a second time. But one more time I'm going to ask you, is God dealing with your heart? You know I don't have to twist your arm. You know you know by what's going on on the inside of you right now. Don't reject it. Don't press it down. Yield to it. That's your answer this morning. So one more time. If you've not raised your hand, but you need to raise it right now, you say, Pastor, please pray with me. That's me. I need to be right with God. Lift your hand right now. Anyone else? Anyone else? I see your hand. Anyone else? I see your hand. God bless you. Now, everybody look this way. Here's how we've trained Island Church. In just a moment, I'm going to invite all of those that have raised their hand to come down and pray with me. We want you to settle it. We want this to be an event. We want you to experience Jesus. But the church is going to stand and they're going to give a big hand clap. You can come on down if you want. Stand right there. The the church is going to give you a big applause, a big hand clap. And they're not doing it for my preaching or for the beautiful music. They're doing it for your decision. They're trying to tell you, come on down, get right with God. So here's the thing. Stand on your feet, church. Give them a hand clap. And every person that raised their hand, come on down and stand right here. You got it. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that you enjoyed the podcast. For service times and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street in Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.